0: Welcome to Festival Nation on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Here's your host, Marla Davies.
1: Hey now, coming up today on Festival Nation, where we celebrate the magical world of music festivals, you'll hear from Lori Kirby, the founder and CEO of Fest Forums, which is an industry conference for festival producers and promoters, entertainment execs, and musicians. And you'll hear how the bursting of the festival bubble has led the festival industry into brave new worlds. And a festival flashback from the Sasquatch Festival in Washington State in 2020. But first...
0: Time now for your fest
1: flash. Headcount is sponsoring a virtual concert on Election Day, November the 3rd, called the Hashtag I Voted Festival. Of course, Headcount's mission is to register people to vote, and they've been doing that at concerts over the years, and I'm sure you've seen Headcount when you've been at a show. And they recently celebrated registering one million voters. This election night, the live stream is said to be the largest single-night digital concert in history. On the virtual stage will be Trey Anastasio from Fish, Jim James from My Morning Jacket, Fantastic Negrito, Umphreys McGee, the Disco Biscuits, and many more. I'll share the link in the show notes so you can check out the full list. According to the website, to watch the show, you must RSVP by showing that you voted. Just show a selfie at home with your blank, unmarked mail in ballot, or you can go out to a polling place if you've already voted and simply take a selfie standing outside the polling place, the mailbox, or even a post office. It's super easy. And if you're under 18, you can still do it too. Even if you're ineligible to vote for whatever reason, you can still gain access to the I Voted Festival by sending a video by November 3rd and tell them why you're excited to vote. And if you're a non-U.S. citizen, you can play along too by sending a video of the artist you're most excited to check out. It'll take a little work, a little bit of effort, but totally worth it. The website is ivotedconcerts.com. And also coming November 7th is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2020 induction ceremony. The live streams on HBO. Pain and beauty, rebellion and unity, noise and harmony. Celebrate the history of music with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2020 inductees. Making San Jose proud. The Doobie Brothers, Depeche Mode, Whitney Houston, Nine Inch Nails, the notorious B.I.G., And T-Rex. I can't wait. Streaming November 7th on HBO Max. Head to PantheonPodcast.com slash survey. Head to PantheonPodcast.com slash survey. I'll share the link on the show notes. And take a quick survey and you'll be entered to win one of 30 of the limited edition HBO Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony posters or one of 30 Doobie Brothers live from the Beacon Theater Blu-ray sets
0: festival nation celebrating the magical world of music festivals
1: please welcome lori kirby founder and ceo of fest forums which has been called the conference for power players in the festival game over the last few years fest forums has become the ultimate destination conference where festivals and artists converge lori and i connected on zoom for this interview it's great to see you again, Lori. Good
2: to see you, Marla, even though it's uh, virtual. I know. It's uh, it's the second best thing.
1: Everything is virtual now. Everything is virtual, right? And you know this because you had you're part of it now because Fest Forums had to postpone for 2021. Oh, 20, Oh gosh, let's not even say that, right? 2020. <laughs> one one year at a time. One year at a time. <laughs> I think we were all, you know, was shocked by the whole thing Now I saw you and this was such a fond memory because I saw you at Fest Forums uh, in Santa Barbara. I saw you in San Francisco and in Santa Barbara because I'm working on a documentary called Woodstock Nation. And that's how this podcast sort of kind of morphed out of that. So we were there in Santa Barbara and that was one of the last really, really fun things I did because it was, it's in the fall like right. it would be this time right it would be this time this year
2: November November yeah.
1: yeah it's kind of late and late in the year and it was such a wonderful event and your events are so wonderful because you bring so many people together all the you know the big wigs the high roller in the festival industry and you have all these wonderful conferences and mix-ups and you know cocktails and music and we you know we just talk about festivals and so this is my perception of the fast Forms, how fun it is. What, you guys started it, what, five years ago, six years ago?
2: That's right. I started it five years ago. I had been um, <clears throat> an attorney for festivals. Then I was a festival board member and president. Then I was a festival director. Then I ran another conference for festivals. And so the projection was eventually I started my own. And, uh, and Stu, of course, became my partner. And, um, Steve together McNaught, we, we, who is your, yeah, McNaught, your, your
1: partner in crime, my business partner, yes. my business
2: partner in crime. And, uh, yeah, and we, you know, I had a nice Rolodex or what they used to call Rolodex. <laughs> and, and I basically called up my friends and said, Hey, look, you know, I, I come from this industry. I love this industry. I care about what you do. I believe in collaboration. I believe in education. And most of all, I believe in fun. So those were the key elements. And, The other piece of it was creating a a nice vibe, a positive vibe, a happy vibe, sort of a respite for all of them. Um, You know, I I didn't want it to be a busman's holiday, so we had, you know, panels during the day so people could collaborate. But really at night, we wanted to give them an opportunity to have their own sort of little vacay because they don't really get to. They all work so hard in their communities. So it was, I felt the best of all of it, beautiful setting in Santa Barbara.
1: So beautiful. It was funny because we worked the whole fest forums and we did a bunch of interviews for the documentary. So I felt like I was kind of trapped in, you know, doing all these interviews. And finally at the end, you do this wonderful celebration and you this year you had John Anderson from Yes who was just a you know a favorite of mine I loved them adored them when I was a, you know a kid and they he performed live and then you had uh, Ray Parker Jr. I mean a highlight the go- singing Ghostbusters come on and then at the very end, we finally were all oh, this on the beach and the sun is setting. And I looked at my crew and I'm like, we got to We haven't even been to the ocean. We can just it's right there. So we ran out there. And we put our feet in the sand and it's such a ni- it was such a nice experience and really a great Aww. job. And, you know, so educational. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of I know you have your finger on the pulse because you you started this because you love festivals, right? I mean, that's, that's why I'm doing this podcast.
2: That's right. I, I mean, I love, I love the arts. I love the film industry. I love the music business. Um, the other component were food and wine festivals. I mean, there are all the things that all of us love. And so I felt if we could make them better, uh, it would, it would lift all boats and that people could have a safer experience. Festivals could be more profitable. Um, people would be able to learn from other festivals and promoters and understand best practices and also bring the artists themselves in, which are the centerpiece. Um, so we've had, you know, we've had, as you know, over the years, Quentin Tarantino and Jack Johnson and Kenny Loggins and Dennis Quaid and Rita Coolidge and Dave Mason. And, you know, um, I just ran into Kat Cora the other day, the chef, celebrity chef. Yeah. And you know it's been fun. We've really had some amazing guests there, um, who have also benefited from from in, in getting other appearances and other things. Not that Quentin Tarantino needs our help, right. But in other words, you know, artists. We gave we we've done film series there. We've done music series. We've done talent shows, uh, art auctions, all kinds of ways to celebrate the arts and you know sort of lift up the industry, as it were.
1: Exactly. And just, you know, collaborate, like, working like we're all on the same team. We're working together here to make this, or this whole thing better. We're not against each other. We're for each other. And I, I love that collaborative, you know, collaborative feeling at, at Fest Forms for sure. And, you know, we, we talked a lot about, I mean, because we were working on the documentary, which we started, you know, Woodstock was one of the probably biggest festivals back in 1969 and how... I've become this kind of, I feel like I've become like a weird festival historian. I mean, I'm <laughs> yeah, so yeah. immersed yeah. in it, how it's gone through, you know, its phases. And then, you know, there was a whole phase. And I didn't know if you know this. I just happened to be doing some research. Like in the 1970s, 1980s, festivals almost died. I mean, there just wasn't. Yes, that's right. There wasn't a lot. I mean, it just wasn't happening. And then Lollapalooza. Right. Lollapalooza right. really pulled festivals back out in the 90s. And then, they, you know, we've seen how we saw how they were evolving, you know, in 2019. I mean, I thought festivals were at, couldn't get any bigger. I mean, they were just, these; they were, everybody got so good at putting them on. And we even, I remember at Fest forums talking about festival fatigue. Yes, yes. Now,
2: you raise a great point. And of course, you know, Michael Lang's been on our board, who's one of the co-founders of Woodstock and probably what got you involved in the first place. And, and yeah, there was... There was a whole conversation around, you know, would the bubble burst and when the bubble would burst and, you know, was there an overpopulation of, of festivals and I, and, and just the way that like the Darwinism of the universe, uh, COVID has certainly, you know, put its, its fingers on the, the fingerprints of, of what festival uh, futures look like.
1: Yeah. I mean, who would have predicted this? I'm sure it wasn't on your agenda. <laughs> what it if was there's not a pandemic? <laughs> because last I, year there was so much talk about festival security. That became a huge topic. But we didn't think pandemic. <laughs> I, and it's funny you say that because
2: each year I, I set down, you know, ahead of time the agenda and what I think I'm gonna cover that year. And and boy do I always change on a dime because, you know, the best laid plans of let mice and men. I mean, History has shown us that pandemics do happen every hundred
1: years, but
2: you know, hey, again,
1: we were living large, anyway, we were living, we were oh, life was so good, and just ah, you know, and we we're just having a grand old time with our festivals. You know, Festival Pass was at the last fest forums, and That's they, right. they have, and I have actually um, interviewed Ed Vincent on the show.
2: He's brilliant.
1: And, you know, they, what they're doing is probably going to lead into the future of festivals because they're doing the no contact. You wear the wristband and everything is, you know, on your wrist. And so you're not touching so much. And I think we're going to, what do you see as the future? What's going to happen, Lori?
2: Well, I I wish I, uh, I was Nostradamus, but (laughs) I, the second best thing I can say is what I see happening right now. And, uh, You know, and it's funny because people used to say all the time, like, if you go on a job interview, where do you see yourself in five years? And I would say, I can never really answer that question. I know where I've been. I know sort of who I am and what I love, but things change. Um, I do think, yes, that um, contactlessness will be uh, a way of the future. There's there's no question about it that, um, you know, we're all going to be more conscious of those things. And so... You know, we're seeing it now. You know, Apple Pay is a perfect example of, of, of that type of technology. And I think technology is is certainly going to play a huge part in in creating more to- contactless experiences. Um, I think there's going to be more concern um, around checking around illnesses. You know, there may be more instant testing at sites.
1: Yeah, do you think um, we're going to see that? I was wondering... Is I, I kind of had the feeling, because some festivals this year, Locken especially, they canceled at the last second. They were going to do the rapid test. You did the test. You're negative. You get to go in. You're stuck there for three. You're, you're in there for three days. You're not in and, oh, in and out. You can't go home. You're there. And they, I guess at the end, they just felt like it was too soon, maybe. I don't know. I'd love to chat with those guys about it. But it, I can so, see that happening. Yeah.
2: That's certainly part of it. I know I, uh, I'm a part of a group of women in music and one of the things they talked about in Korea, they have uh, this app where basically you're green, you know, you if you get a negative test and then it, it tracks where you are and where you're going and you only go to green places and people who t- test positive, it's, you know, a red dot or whatever and it goes off if you if you enter a space. I don't know that we live wow. in a country where we can implement something like that. That's very I, sci-fi, it, isn't it? it? It is, and it's also we live in a country where people want their liberty. I mean, they don't even want to wear masks. So how are they going to respond to being tracked? And same problem as we all know with the vaccine—that there are too many people. You can't—a vaccine is not going to be effective if only forty percent of of um, you know our our population is willing to take it. But you know, it's going to be a very slow reentry. Um, I do think that the virtual festival has taken hold and and I'm glad to see it. I think part of the, the draw of the internet has always been um, that it allows you know the long tail, the, the niche following. So you know the good news of that is for positive groups, there's ways to effectuate change for negative and we see it with these fringe political groups. Um, they also find a way to aggregate, So technology is neutral. As I always say, it's the application thereof that is consequential. Um, But I'm seeing more and I'm working with a company now that is um, a virtual festival channel and they've been around for a while. So they're a little more tested, time tested. Um, And it's also somebody who is a filmmaker distributor and a film festival producer. So he really understands uh, the industry from every different angle and the festival model that seems to be for film festivals right now that's working best, of course, is the virtual festivals. Some of them do with a combination. Uh, but in the United States, other than drive-in um, th- and some outdoor, uh, there isn't much going on other than, than virtually. and, and it, it engenders a lot of um, technological support but you can do it successfully. It just is going to look different. You're not going to go to five films in a day or you, maybe it's one and then you do something celebratory with your friends. And so it's developed into its own art and science and how you are going to sponsor? But I, I am seeing with the ones that do it right and do a good job of it and are not destination glitzy festivals, but are really about film content. Yeah. They're doing it successfully because the, support is out there. If, if you have a story to tell, which is what festivals should be doing now is telling their story of what they do for the community. And so it's not just stuff that you get on Netflix. There's an independent channel for, for great film. Your community should be supporting you and getting behind you They're home. They're watching movies. We all know that. Right. And so, you know, this c- can be a successful way to run a festival. So it can't. I've I mean, the festivals are
1: doing well, yeah, because I've seen a bunch of film festivals, and I what I've seen is that people—it's almost like a Netflix. They pay to to watch a film, right, and they pay per movie, or maybe they be, get a pass for the entire festival. That's right. Something That's like right. that, and I think I see that with festivals. I mean, there always was a little virtual aspect of it, music festivals, right? But now we're really seeing it, and I. I, you know, I don't have, I'm not a soothsayer, right. But I'm just thinking how this is going to go. And I'm, tell me what you think. So of course there's, there'll be an element of live always, you know, people will be able to go the people that want to go, will can go live, but there'll be the aspect that people will just be like, yeah, I'm not going to go. I'm going to stay home and watch it. I, I think you're right. I think that people, um,
2: will choose different avenues. I think depending on their, their feelings about COVID, um, what they are experiencing when they, watch it. I know that I have watched Coachella from home and I can't say that it's the same experience as being there.
1: There's no bathroom line. What about the bathroom lines? What about the lines uh, to get a drink?
2: You know, there's no line in my house in the bathroom. So, (laughs) um, yeah, I mean, you you go to Glastonbury so that you can slog around in the mud with, with other people like you and and it's an experience. It's not, you're not going to
1: have the same experience.
0: Festival Nation, celebrating the magical world of music festivals.
1: I'm talking with Lori Kirby, who's the founder and CEO of Fest Forums. Coming up, you'll hear how film festivals could be leading the way for the future of music festivals. More after this.
0: Festival Nation, celebrating the magical world of music festivals.
1: We're here with Lori Kirby, who's the founder and CEO of Fest Forums. She has a unique background with the knowledge of music festivals and also film festivals. Lori, how do you think film festivals have paved the way for music festivals?
2: I was on a panel about 10 years ago uh, with the director of the Edinburgh Film Festival And the question came up and he was much more prophetic than me because would there be ever be a place for a virtual film festival? And he felt that there definitely was. And I totally disagreed because I felt, no, it's a tribal experience. It's the live experience. It's it's being with the artist, whether it be a chef or a musician or a filmmaker and experiencing that live experience. But people aren't going to give up those experiences, those shared experiences. Yeah, when it comes to, to music, um, what's, what's interesting from the commercial standpoint is that certain experiences are being created that otherwise could not be. Like, you know, go backstage with Dennis Quaid. Uh, you pay a certain, uh, you know, level for your ticket and, and you get to have a, you know, backstage experience. Yes. It's not a living, breathing. Mm-hmm. So uh, promoters as everyone does, cause we all learn to adapt and change are are finding ways to monetize these experiences, which was something that was not being done before. And that was always the million dollar question um, was how do you monetize Coachella online? Mm-hmm. And nobody had really figured it out. Well, when the only way to monetize is online, Then you put all your eggs into the basket of
1: trying to ascertain how you do that. Right. I mean, it's forced us to think in new ways. There's no doubt. And that is, you know, that's super positive. But this year, anyway, I thought everybody's been very generous in the festival world. I mean, they've been giving it away for free, which I, you know, as a hippie chick... I like that, you know, I mean, I know we need to monetize, but a lot of people have been doing it just, hey, this is what we got is we're throwing this together, you know, with with actually a lot of planning, but, you know, putting archival stuff together and all that and um, people donating to charity, you know, that's been a really kind of a cool. So I'm I think it'll change, though, so you know, about monetizing. So this year, yeah, people were doing it that way next year. Maybe they'll will be playing at Coachella and there'll be a limited—I mean, I'm guessing a limited audience—and then you can watch from home, but you'll have to buy a ticket, right? Don't you think?
2: Well, I think in in 2021, for sure. I know one of the festivals uh, surveyed that did his festival. Uh, and this is obviously a small control group, but they surveyed their viewers and found that 50% preferred the virtual festival. Yeah, um, but it really does change, like you know, if you're going to go to a music festival, normally you'd go and listen to what, four or five, six acts. You're not going to spend six hours doing that. So you have to rethink your content strategy Mm -hmm. and how artists are going to be presented. And so it does offer uh, the opportunity to come up with a lot of creative solutions and you can work in tandem with your sponsors and your patrons to create the experience that best serves everyone during this time. And, parts of that will probably continue
1: on oh yeah post-covid absolutely because some of it's good some of it you know some of it's good you know people are I was like I think I watched was it I think it was Bonnaroo or something it was streamed and I'm sitting in my kitchen watching Bonnaroo having a glass of wine folding my laundry right I really would have rather been there you know I'm just saying for me it's not and it's funny because the dead, dead and company came to, um, the new, the, the new chase center in San Francisco, uh, over new years, right around those dates. And I remember my girlfriend and I are like kind of bitching. We were like, ah, gosh, the traffic and the, pop- yeah. and the, And we were kind of like this kind of we were kind of bitching and you know, we still love it. We did, we did the whole thing. We trooped in there. We, you know, we did, we had a great old time, a great time too. And and then this happens and we look back and said, why, how I would give anything to be stuck in traffic, to have to walk a mile to get to that show, to just have to look for a bathroom, you know, have to do the pee dance while I'm waiting. You know, I would, everything, ah, that's what I love. Well,
2: I, it, it begets the expression, uh, you don't know what you got till it's gone. <laughs> and, I, and this is, I just was on the phone with somebody I mentor, I do a lot of mentoring of, of, of younger women, um, mostly because, and I have a very amazing daughter who's just a a kick ass granddaughter. So I, I really enjoy mentoring young women, um, a lot, you know, I, and I have some really amazing women that I, I'm so impressed with the younger generation coming up. So, um, uh, you know, we were discussing what this time in history is requiring and, she's very ambitious. And I said, this is a teaching moment for you. It's, it's requiring you to be patient and be reflective. And you know, you're not going to move forward in your career in the same way. So, so, you know, you have the same, the same hours of the day. How are you going to use them? Are you going to read more? Are you going to do some self-improvement? Are you, how are you going to use this time when you know that the live event industry is not happening? And, that's all they can do. And I, and I do feel bad for, for people who, you know, for, for my age, it's not as horrible, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, I I can't even believe I'm considered a senior citizen, but I guess I am. And so I've lived a, a, a pretty long, very wonderful life. So as awful as it is, I can find ways to make sense of the time. I think it's really hard on the younger generation and they're missing out on the collective experience because there is a lot that the festival community offers and that's something that is very sad when it's not happening and uh, it serves to further alienate us and divide us and what I've found in festivals that are done well, whatever type it is, it really being, brings people together collectively. I mean,
1: yes, absolutely. I, I've,
2: I've been to Glastonbury many times and you know, as crowded as it is, You know, we are like, just, you know, packed in like a matchbook and there's no violence, there's no pushing, there's no stampeding, there's no fighting. Um, and, and that always stays with me. And, and that's something that's being lost right now. And as we, as we're alienated and I am seeing not to go dark, but I am seeing some negative behavior that's come from this. And i it's all fear-based. People are you know, I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but there's a lot of fear-based behavior that I see happening. And so we need to try and use this time to find our best and highest selves through this. And the festival industry is there as a tool because it's about storytelling through the mediums we love. And mm-hmm. to me, I find it quite fascinating that during COVID, music is no longer allowed. And Right and hugging and singing and hugging and singing, which are the things that are the benchmarks of humanity, and I understand the reasons why. But I also know, as someone who is very careful in in my my being and always wearing a mask and doing all the COVID precautions, and I spend most of my time sort of in isolation, I don't really understand when we can do music safely because there are ways to do it why we can't have it.
1: And we need it for our souls. I mean, I agree with you. You're you're saying there is a weird thing because my son is 17. He's socially distancing through high school, which is weird and hard for him. And I was talking to some of my neighbors who have got the, you know, younger kids and my kid, he remembers life before COVID. Like he was, they remember, he's like, gosh, I wish I had appreciate again, appreciated how much I loved actually going to school. You know, going to high school, walking from class to class, he, seeing my teachers. see, so he's getting that moment. And I told him the art here is to appreciate that moment while you're in it. You know, that's right. Because that's a really is a skill, right? To, to stop that moment and go, yes, this is it. So he's looking back and appreciate am like, hey, but you're still evolving. I mean, you're you got a good thing. Now, these kids, the littler kids who knows what their perceptions are going to be. I mean, and how it's all going to look when we come back. I mean, the collective experience, I know you've had Jesse Colin Young, you know, at the FS forums and the young bloods and the young bloods are like, come, you know, that song, like we got to get together right now, you know, and all that. I want that to be our theme song, but it's more like the offspring keep them separated. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. 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 It's like, the, ah, that's not what I'm, I'm not wishing that, but we have to come to our higher selves during this time. And I like that, you know, you mentioned that because I always say when we go to a festival or music goes to concerts or whatnot, I think I hope everyone's bringing their highest. And like, I, I know I am like, I'm bringing my best self. I'm in my best mood. I look the best I can. I'm really, and I feel a lot of people do that. So we're really come, And that's why it's like this elevating experience together. So now yes. that we're not able to do that it's hard because sometimes I feel like I, I like I maybe I'm bitchy to somebody, you know, at the supermarket, which I try not to be. It's like, come on now. Bring it up. I mean, it's really is. It's a learning moment, as you said.
2: Well, I think it's great. You, you know, you and, and all of us are trying to use it as a teaching as a teaching moment. And, you know, that is the beauty of the human spirit is that if we're trying to grow as human beings. Then adversity, you know, you read books about the Holocaust, about the way people have coped in difficult times in wartime. You know, I and the books that I chose to read, um, I don't know if I told you I had a New Year's resolution where this was all before COVID, but that I would complete a book every month because that's always something I'd love to do. And I got back to it and I picked a lot of books about stressful times throughout history and how people have have coped with it and the human spirit. And I think to your point, you know, it, it there is going to be some fallout to the younger generation. I know just my, my granddaughter who's eight months, my, she's only met, she's only seen like two people, right? <laughs> yeah. oh my goodness. Except her dogs. So she's, she's <laughs> like, she's not, uh, you know, it's impacting her imprinting on her very young. So, yeah, it's going to have some long-term ramifications and, um, but that's life.
1: <laughs> you know, we had such a, I look back, you know, you're looking at what you're reading. I'd love to hear if you've read anything really good. Cause I need a new book right now, but I was thinking about that too, because I thought, look at my life. It has been complete revelry. You know, I was born the Vietnam war was pretty much over ending, you know, as little, I was a little kid. Like I, I think we're probably close to the same age, but it's like, We were little. It didn't even affect us at all. And then the 70s and the 80s and all this greatness that we, oh, it was just party, party, party. I mean, good times. And we have not experience any strife, you know. Not really. Not really. You know, we've had these little moments that you think, oh, we're so stressful. And then you're like, nothing. Nothing like our older generation or. People into the depression or, you know, all that, like you're saying, you know, it's like, yeah. So now we get our little taste of something. It is. It is a strange time.
2: I mean, I grew up in a very uh, upper middle class family. Both my parents were doctors and I was a lawyer most of my career. So, yeah, I've, I've, I've been very lucky in my life and I have amazing family around me and my 16 year old Italian greyhound. And right your here. cute
1: dog. Yeah. What's your dog's name?
2: This is Tux. He's a 16-year-old uh-huh. Italian greyhound, and this is his, I want to go
1: for a walk right now. Yeah, time for a walk, Mom. Um, well, that gets us out. Uh, you. Hear, this is funny you said this, because I heard in Italy, the only way people were allowed to go out at one point early on is to walk the dog. And so... <laughs> If somebody had a dog, people would be like, can I borrow the dog? And then different people (laughs) were walking the same dog all day long. That lucky dog. Yeah, that lucky dog. (laughs) Lucky dog. Lucky dog. Well, I love chatting with you, Lori Kirby, who is the founder and CEO of Fest Forums. And you guys are, I'm sure, already planning ahead for 2021. We have, fingers are crossed. Well, <laughs> when Coachella just pushed back again because they they were the first to go. When Coachella went, dominoes started to fall, right? And South by Southwest. Oh yeah, South by one. Southwest. You're right. That was actually was first, and then and then when but Coachella was when that I remember waiting with bated breath on that, and then they went, and now that they have pushed back again instead of April 2021, now they're saying October, so that. You know, they're, they're the grand, you know, granddaddies. They're the big guys. So you wonder like, oh boy, they don't want to take any chances because it's, things are slower than we thought with, you know, what, what do we think it was going to be two weeks of lockdown and back to normal?
2: <laughs> no, yeah. no, the virus doesn't work that way. it just work. loves to find somebody else to feed off of. So, you know, we keep giving it bodies. It'll keep taking it.
1: <laughs> so evil so evil anyway so we'll we're, we'll look forward together to see what's going to happen in 2021 but I, there is good that's coming out of it and you know that technology and some of the, the cool stuff and someday you yeah. and i will be shoulder to shoulder yes we can only
2: hope. i agree but it's so lovely chatting with you as always and i i really appreciate your enthusiasm and your continuing interest in the industry it, it's really
0: fantastic. So kudos to you. Festival Nation, celebrating the magical world of music festivals.
1: Thanks again to Lori Kirby, the founder and CEO of Fest Forums, crossing our fingers for a destination conference in 2021. With festivals becoming virtual in 2020, Festival Nation is going retro and celebrating the magical world of music festivals by digging up those fond memories. Of festival's past.
0: It's Festival Flashback, where we step back in time and relive your favorite festival moments.
3: My favorite festival flashback um, has got to be Sasquatch 2012. Uh, I don't know if uh, it's up at the Gorge, up in like Washington State. It's a defunct festival nowadays, but uh, last year at college, for my uh, Memorial Day weekend, it was like a three-day camping festival. It just was so convivial. I remember just being like such a happy, fun vibe. Uh, Jack White was one of the headliners. and That was phenomenal. But I think I'll always remember seeing like Little Dragon. It was the first time I saw Little Dragon and I've seen them three times since. And Always at a festival too. So it's kind of, they're like my festival background. Uh, soundtrack, I guess. But yeah, I remember uh, it was so nice camping and then just walking over. I was giving high fives to everyone every day. Uh, Stay sassy was my tagline to everyone at Sasquatch. So that was really cool. But I, yeah, I remember, um, and I remember, uh, you can cut this out if it's not PC, but uh, I remember taking way too much acid and <laughs> tripping balls while uh beck was playing and uh, i don't know if you know the gorge but it's this outdoor open amphitheater and i was at the top of the hill and the the gorge and the columbia river is behind the stage and it's just the sun was setting and beck starts and the acid was kicking in it was uh it was a very very uh Concrete permanent memory that will literally I'll take to my grave. Uh, but yeah, Sasquatch 2012, R.I.P.
1: Our festival flashback today takes us to the Sasquatch Festival at the Gorge in Washington State in May of 2012. Here's Jack White live on stage at Festival Nation. Oh, you put
0: a little song in I was making a phone call. Festival Nation, celebrating the magical world of music festivals.
1: Please share your festival flashbacks and your favorite festival memories. Just shoot me an email, Podcast at gmail.com or hit me up on social, on Facebook and Instagram at Festival Nation and on Twitter at Nation Festival. And check out all of our podcasts at the Pantheon Podcast Network at Pantheon Pods. Coming up on Festival Nation, we'll talk to Dead & Company's O'Teal Burbridge, Jerry Garcia Band's Melvin Seals, and the founder of Skull & Roses with a big announcement coming up, Chris Mitrovich. To hear music featured on this podcast, please check out the links on the show notes. Any music used in the Festival Nation podcast is owned by the artist and is used for educational and illustration purposes only music alive and support your favorite artists by buying their music wherever you download it or go old school and go to your favorite record store thanks for checking out liking sharing and following festival nation on the pantheon podcast network and wherever you listen to your podcasts we will get by we will survive talk to you next time peace
0: love and music thanks for being part of the tribe from marla davies and everyone here at festival nation until next time tune in turn on